Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Summerall, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise. And sometimes, sometimes we just forget all the places that you're listening from. Like I was talking to people the other day about uh, joining team ministry. And we had applications from China and Africa and North America. <laughs> just going, oh. So for all of you all around the world, especially our Kababayan, I know I'm speaking very specifically every day to our church members, and you're just going to have to understand that's who I am. In 1980, God asked me to look out for the welfare of this people. And all through these years, I've been focused on one congregation because that's who the Holy Spirit made me the overseer of, and that's what God asked me to do. So for those of you around the world and you're listening to us in our evening service or our morning devotions, I, I apologize if I seem very focused on our members at COP, but that's what God has asked me to do. And I've been a happy pastor for 40 years of my life, just just watching over the flock of which the Holy Spirit made me overseer. So sometimes if my words are not applicable to you, I'm sorry. And, and I really do sincerely apologize because I want to I want to minister to all of you. And sometimes I forget all of you that are watching us around the world. My words are so specific. But you have to understand that's just my heart. And that will be my heart until the day I go to heaven. All right. So please accept my apologies and try to bear with us in an understanding way. Because it's like I was telling some pastors one time, I said, you know, all these people want you to do their work and set up their stuff, but nobody's going to take care of your congregation except you. At some point, we had to remember this is our family. This is the flock that the Lord has made us the overseer over, and we need to stay focused on them because nobody else will. Okay, so COP. Those of you that are wanting to get involved in team ministry, yes, my goodness, of course. Those of you that are wanting to get your kids in a becket, yes, my goodness, please, of course, get moving. Uh, just call your district pastor and get working. But I want to make a special request today before we pray. Uh, Brother Jong and I were up a little early this morning working on trying to set up something different that we could start next week because you know, I keep getting all these messages from you about, Pastor, I would love to see what your Bible looks like. Well, I doubt if you could read some of my handwriting, but I love to write in my Bibles and mark and highlight and, and keep notes and thoughts because, you know, ideas are lost very quickly. If you, you can have a beautiful thought and in five minutes you've forgotten it. And I don't want to forget the things the Lord teaches me. So I, I make little notes and I see little things and I ask little questions. And to me, this is how I learn and how I continue to learn because knowledge is cumulative. Now, with that in mind, what I'd like to do is be able to put up a text on the screen, put up the passage on the screen, and as I talk, I can write and highlight and show you how I make notes. I would love to be able to do that. Now, you know me, I'm pretty tech savvy. Uh, I use Mac, iPads, you name it. Um, I use PC, I use Surfaces. Um, what we'd like to do is have both me talking on the screen and the scriptures at the same time, or my ability to toggle in between them. Now, Brother Jong and I tried a combination of Zoom share screen with Facebook earlier. And okay, it works, okay, but to me, the scriptures were fuzzy. You know, they, they just looked fuzzy. Uh, so if there is an app out there that some of you know about, okay, and 
I prefer a paid app so we don't have advertisement popping up in the middle of it. If there's a paid app, if there's an, a program out there that you know of that can do this, where I can put the text on the screen. Now, I already have OneNote. I have Notability. I have Evernote. Please, I got all those things. But if there's a way that an app that would allow us to combine these on the screen and talk and teach at the same time, I would love to see it. So if you'd, you know, send me a Facebook Messenger and we'll get somebody to pull them down or send Brother Jong a Facebook Messenger. That's Joel Fernandez, uh, our, who heads up our media or send me an email. But please try to get it to me today because we'd like to get this up and running and you know, we'll, we'll try a few more things. I'm going to try something with an iPad and Notability, and a, there's a digital ESV crossway that's very good for highlighting and writing on, as well as OneNote. Uh, so send this to us right away. Again, what I'd like to accomplish is be able to talk to you just like I'm talking right now, and split the screen or toggle in between, and be able to show you the scripture text and highlight and write and make notes. Okay, so either split screen or toggle in between, between screens. All right, let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we are such a grateful people, such a grateful people for all you've done for us. But Lord, as we're coming into this general quarantine, transportation has been so hard, and our people have struggled so much trying to get to their work. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you'd help them. Prosper them to buy transportation, Lord. That's the bottom line solution, Lord. Relying on other people is never a good solution. Being independent is the solution. Father, I ask that you bless the work of my brothers and sisters, that they can buy their car. It doesn't have to be new, Lord. Just something that runs good. Some of the young men, Lord, to buy a motorcycle. It doesn't have to be fancy and cool. It just has to run. Father, we ask in Jesus' name for basic transportation that will be in our own control. Father, cars have become now a necessity, not a luxury. It's we're going to get to work. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, prosper and bless our people. And Lord, for those that have another whole day of sitting in the sun and sitting in the rain, waiting for waiting for buses and LRTs and MRTs, Father, just let your grace rest upon them. Let their bodies be strong in Jesus' name. Let there be no rain that catches them and soaks them and hurts their, their immune system, but keep their bodies strong in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for all of our seniors today. Continue to strengthen them, Father. Continue to strengthen them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship. Let's 
I'd like to ask for your help about something else. I think young people, you call this crowdsourcing. I talked with Brother John the other morning. I called him on FaceTime and uh, he was out in his front yard. He sold his other little house and bought a little bigger house so that he and Sister Pat would have some room. He was out in his front yard watering the flowers. And it was the cutest, most wonderful thing I saw. I just told him that it would always be one of my favorite memories of him, standing out in his front yard, watering his flower bed with all of his pretty flowers. And he said, oh, I'm getting 100 more flowers put in this afternoon. And he said, he said, David, I'm at the most peace I have ever been in my life. It's been beautiful to see how God has strengthened him and Sister Pat. And he said he's just very peaceful, very calm. He's enjoying himself. But he still wants to minister. Now, I'd like to ask some help with this. I'd like some of you super techie young people, if we can do this and just give it as a gift to Brother John. And we'll put Brother Gian in charge of this. All of you techies in the church, you know Brother Gian. Work with Brother Gian, and let's put together a website for Brother John. Now, what he'd like to do with the website is be able to make like a little, like he's been doing for us in the evening services. He'd like to begin to post one of those every day or every few days. And he'd like to be able to give away his books uh, we're going to have all of his books put in PDF and scanned in PDF and put there where you can give them away. So if some of you young people can help us uh, work with Brother Gian, and let's just build a website for Brother John and give that to him as a gift. Right now, some of you are still working from home and you're still locked at home. 
use your talents and use your abilities, and let's be a blessing to Brother John. He's blessed us all through the years. All right, we've got one of our kids today with Psalms 91. Psalms 91. She dwells in the shelter of the Most High, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, to know my trust, for you will deliver from the center of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. You will cover you with pinions and under swings. You will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that sucks in darkness, nor the destruction that waits at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High was my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent, for he will command angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands shall bear you up, lest they strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the a lion and the other, young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because you hold fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will search for him and show him my salvation. <laughs> oh, don't you just want to squeeze her? Oh, oh, I love our kids. All right, let me talk with you about one more thing. Then we'll have our testimony and get into the scriptures today. Uh, the drive-in services on Saturday and Sunday, the 7.30 Sunday service is already full. And the, it's about half full now for the Saturday service. So you want to go ahead and get signed up on that now. When those two are full, then we will tell you that you can start asking the district pastor and we'll open a second service on Sunday morning, probably about 9.30. Now, did I tell you you can't get out of your car? Oh, did I remind you that you can't get out of your car? Did I happen to mention to you that you cannot get out of your car? All right, please use the CR and everything before you go home or stop at the shopping mall afterwards, but we're going to be very strict. You drive in, nobody leaves their car. Now, because of the guidelines of 10 people, there will only be 10 of us there. So we will sing, we will preach, we will do the offering, we'll pass out communion, we'll help the cars park, we'll help you exit. I mean, there'll be 10 of us working there. Uh, so, you know, we're going to all be pushing it pretty good. Uh, so we ask that you please be very cooperative. Everybody understand. You might not want to bring the kids because they're not going to want to sit in the car. But you drive in. We'll have a sign-up for you uh, with the FM station to tune into. We bought a small FM transmitter that just covers our parking lot. Everything's very legal. And we've got the permission from Las Pinas City, or from the mayor's office, and we've got permission from our local barangay. But there's some pretty strict rules, and we have to stay within those rules. Did I mention to you you can't get out of your car? <laughs> okay. So you drive in, turn on the radio. We will bring the offering baskets by. We'll bring communion by the cars. It'll all be like the 1960s drive-in movie theaters, and the older folks will do this. Now, we're, we're, we're testing this, and we're doing this now under general quarantine, because even when we get under modified general, and we're allowed to have 50% of our auditoriums full, I will probably be doing this drive-in service for a while. 
and that is for our older members and for people who have pre-existing physical conditions that we, we don't want to get them in any kind of a difficult situation. We just want everybody to feel comfortable. So if we have to work a little harder, and I do an open-air service once a week in the parking lot, that's perfectly fine. We want to take care of everybody. So this is the first one. We'll be doing these for a while until everybody is comfortable being back in the auditoriums again. All right, we've got a great testimony for you. Good day, everyone. This is Mark from uh, COP Main Campus, and I just want to share with you how great our God is. So uh, last month, I've been struggling to get into the uh, top 10 rankings for our line of business. I'm actually trying to get that goal so that uh, I can be recognized, and uh, you know, this would be a stepping stone for me to get promotion. So for the past three weeks, I've been stuck in uh, you know 11 to 15 um, spot in in our rankings, and I ask God, I pray with God, and ask for His uh, guidance and help to achieve my goal. And uh, and then eventually after uh, that month, uh, when the ceremony uh, came in, my name was mentioned, but instead of you know just providing me. Uh, the tenth or or seventh uh, ranking, he did uh, provide uh, the second highest ranking for our line of business. So it really shows how uh, great God is. If you really uh, keep he, your faith up to Him, He will definitely answer your prayers. So COP, uh, God bless and have a wonderful day. Acts chapter two, beginning with verse forty-two. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Now, I want you to begin to notice, brothers and sisters, in this passage, we see what I call spiritual instincts. They never had a class on first steps of Christianity. They'd never had a class on first truths. There was no patterns of Christianity to follow anywhere in the world. But these were things that just came naturally. I call these spiritual instincts, just like a baby has an instinct to suck. There are instincts spiritually that are born with us. Now, instincts are usually things that are necessary for survival, and that is also true with us as Christians. There's a lot of predators out there going after baby Christians. Now, notice, there's a spiritual instinct to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to, to true teaching. There's a spiritual instinct about corrupt preachers when you first get born again, because I'll teach you later from Peter when we get to that passage months and months and months from now, that um, false prophets go after baby Christians, those just escaping error. There's a spiritual instinct to fellowship, to be in God's house. There's a spiritual instinct for the breaking of bread, communion. There's a spiritual instinct for prayer. See, prayer is not some duty-driven thing that you just have to learn. There's a spiritual instinct for prayer, because prayer is just talking to God. And awe came upon every soul. I like that awe. I think much of what is wrong with Christianity today is we've lost a sense of awe. Awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who, were, all who believed were together. Now notice the togetherness, not social distancing. We were together. See, folks, I'm sorry. Facebook and Zoom and all of these wonderful communication devices the only reason they've been working so well for us is we already have a relationship. You don't build a relationship with somebody you've never touched. I like what Brother John says. 
you got to smell people. <laughs> it's kind of true. You got to be close enough to them to smell them. So there's an instinct for us to gather together. We're, we're not lone rangers. So don't allow people to come along now and say, we don't need church buildings anymore. and we, we don't need to gather together in services anymore. We've done really well on Zoom. You know, it'll absolutely destroy the church. It'll absolutely destroy the church. One of the key foundations of churches together. And they had all things in common. These people shared. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So initially, giving in the church was very spontaneous, and everybody gave to everybody. Now, you're going to see in Acts 4 that changes, and we'll talk about why when we get there. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So every day they were in the temple. But now, they, did, they didn't get to celebrate communion in the temple. They were breaking bread. They were celebrating communion in the homes. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, the Greek here as he kept on adding. It's the idea of a continuous adding. Uh, church growth should be something of people being saved every day. But notice, adding those who were being saved. You know, I, th much of this modern attraction model Christianity, where it's building an event center and trying to attract people from other churches, they need to get a revelation of this verse. God will add to your number those who are being saved. Every church needs to be evangelistic, not proselytic. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, okay? This is a normal time of prayer. These Jews this was a common thing for them. This was part of their culture. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate. That's kind of like the main gate coming in. To ask alms of those seeking, of those entering the temple now. You know, it's amazing to me a couple of things. Number one, everybody recognize on your way to church, so to speak, people are more generous. But it's also amazing to me that he never got healed by Jesus. Because Jesus would have walked through the gate beautiful every time he went. But he never got healed by Jesus. Fascinating. And notice this man is a genetic defect, lame from birth. He was not allowed inside the temple under their law. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. Now, that's beautiful too. He didn't look away. Have you ever had somebody come up and beg and you looked away? Peter and John didn't look away. There's a, there's a truth to meditate on today. Don't look away from human need. And said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, you've got to just sit there and look at that verse and shake your head. Maybe one of the most profound things I ever heard about this verse was simply this. The church today has silver and gold, but it no longer brings the ministry of healing. We have riches, but we no longer have the supernatural power. We need to cry out to God, not so much for money, but for power. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Now, in a healing crusade, you'll see us walk up to people who are sitting there and take them by the hand. I will not lift them up and I will not pick them up, but I will take them by the hand and raise them up. See, they have to put out the effort. There will be no miracle until they put out the effort. You have to put some works with your faith. But Peter had no problem with walking over and taking the man's hand and helping him begin to stand. I didn't say grab him under the shoulders and pick him up. I said, take him by the hand and help them get up. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. So first he stands, then he walks. Now, don't expect a person to begin to walk until they first stand. So let them stand. Let them get steady in a healing crusade. Then let them walk. And he entered the temple with them. Now, for the first time in his life, this man can go into the temple. He's no longer an invalid. He's not breaking any Jewish laws. He can go into the temple for the first. Can you, do you understand what this meant to this man? And it says, walking and leaping and praising God. He was not just walking and leaping and praising God because he'd gotten healed. He was walking and pray and leaping and praising God because for the first time he was in the temple. He, could, he would be allowed into worship in the temple. See, this is a man that wanted the house of God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate on the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. <laughs> you wonder what a sign and a wonder is? It's anything that makes people wonder. People always say, what's a... God will do signs and wonders. What's a wonder? Anything that makes people wonder. These people were wondering. This was a miracle that caused them to wonder. Verse 11. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, now, when we say it, what did Peter see? Two things. Number one, a man was clinging to him. And number two, crowds were looking at him. When Peter saw this situation, it is a situation. A man clinging to him. Crowds coming and focusing their attention on him. Peter was not comfortable with that at all. Now, the, the, Peter's a man of God. Peter is not an entertainer, and Peter's not a celebrity preacher. Peter was not comfortable with this kind of attention. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety, our own power or holy living, we have made him walk. Peter said, I, I didn't do this. Why are you looking at me? I didn't do this. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. So you delivered over and denied, two Ds. Delivered over, denied. When he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Now just back up here a minute. There's three things we just said who Jesus is. Jesus is the Holy One. Jesus is the Righteous One. 
And Jesus is the author of life. <laughs> you wonder why death couldn't hold him down. I walk around the house singing all the time. Death couldn't hold him down. My heart is full. Hallelujah. We read you the passage the other day. Just go back and look at it with me. In Peter's first sermon, come back over here to chapter 1. I'm sorry, chapter 2. Or chapter 3. Here we go. Yeah, chapter 3. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, verse 23. God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. It's not possible for, for death to hold him down. He is the author of life. Now, you just need to get a revelation of that. When you pray to, to Jesus for healing, you're praying to the author of life. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan is the author of death. Jesus is the author of life. When you pray to Jesus, you're not talking to somebody who kills people. You're talking to the author of life. Oh, I love, I, I could preach on that for five hours. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. The faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. Now notice, faith in the name of Jesus. Faith in Jesus has given this man perfect health. Did you hear that? Perfect health. Not halfway, perfect health. Do you remember the blind man? He said, I see men like trees walking. That was half a miracle. But you notice Jesus didn't stop till the whole thing was there. You've got to understand, Jesus doesn't do a halfway miracle. If you will have faith in his name, perfect health. Oh, I absolutely love that. Verse 17. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. This is his sermon continuing. By what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Now. Just back up. When you repent and turn. See, repentance is, is a turning around. When you repent and turn, three blessings happen. Number one, your sins are blotted out. Doesn't matter what you've done. Your sins are blotted out. Number two, times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. <laughs> the dryness will be gone. The dryness of separation will be gone. He'll blot out your sins. He'll send a beautiful time of spiritual refreshing. And he will send to you the Christ. That's revival. I love it. Whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Now, there is going to come a time of restoration. Restoration is not the rapture. Restoration is the second coming 
of Messiah. The rapture is the end of this interruption of grace. The second coming is when Jesus literally, physically comes with the armies of heaven behind him. Israel looks up in its pain and suffering, and they see him whom they have pierced, and Israel repents in an instant, and all of Israel is saved. There's a national salvation that takes place instantaneously of all those that are still alive. The battle of Armageddon is engaged over very quickly. The Antichrist is thrown into the pit for a thousand years. Satan is thrown into the pit for a thousand years. The Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire. And we begin the millennium where we see a restoration of all things. This is what all creation groans for. Can you imagine what Earth is going to be like with no predators? with no sickness, no disease, no viruses, no bad viruses, no bad bacterias, nobody killing people. Can, can you imagine what the earth is going to be like with, <laughs> as it was in the beginning, like it was in Garden of Eden, a restoration of all things? Personally, I'm walking up and scratching, I'm, I'm looking forward to walking up and scratching a lion's tummy like I scratched my big German shepherd's tummy, I'm personally looking forward to walking up and scratching a lion's mane and rubbing his tummy and watching him just lay back and wiggle his back on the ground. It's going to be a restoration of all things. All the good things that you have wanted to see all of your life. Peace on earth. Yeah, peace. Peace on earth. It's going to be a beautiful time, the restoration of all things. Verse 22, Moses said, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. So Jesus had to come, Messiah had to come from the Jews, and he would be a prophet like Moses. Moses was prophet, priest, and king. There will be nobody else who will share governmental power and spiritual authority until Messiah. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Now, this was Moses prophesying about Messiah, prophesying about Jesus. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. What days? These days, the days of the Messiah. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Now, where does Paul get the doctrine to the Jew first? Here's one of those passages. Sent him to you first. Messiah was sent first to the Jew. This is where Paul gets the doctrine. He's not being prejudiced or bigoted. But because the people of Israel were the people of covenant, they were to receive the gospel first. That's why every city he went into, he went to the Jew first. Now notice, the Messiah was sent to bless us. And how does he bless us? Does he bless us with wealth? Does he bless us with, with health? Notice the blessing of the Messiah by turning every one of you from your wickedness. The greatest blessing is the blessing of repentance and salvation. That is the greatest blessing. That is the blessing of the Messiah, 
to turn us from our wickedness. Salvation, repentance, this is the greatest blessing of the Messiah. Don't ever lose track of that. And everything else you learn about the blessings of God, the blessing of the Messiah turns us from wickedness. It's repentance and salvation. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Oh 
Yesterday, we began to get into some of the challenge of King Solomon's life. We're going to get into more of those today. In chapter 10, we saw that incredible wealth flowed. But we also saw that when he built his throne, he put a calf's head on the back. We'll get more into that maybe tomorrow. We saw that he was selling arms. I mean, the one thing Israel was commanded of their, their kings by God was they weren't to go gather horses up from Egypt and chariots. And, and he not only buys them, he sells them and passes them on. He was an arms dealer. But forgive me, if that was not wealth enough that he already had, why did he need to be selling the weapons of war? So you begin to see his problems. Now we probably get into his greatest problem, women. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now Solomon loved many foreign women. Now notice foreign women. We have no record of him ever marrying an Israelite. That's why God could not choose a successor. God had chosen him as David's successor, but there was no, there was no full-blooded Jew that could be the king of Israel that God could choose. Fascinating. Fascinating. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of the Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. Now notice, Solomon loved many foreign women. Solomon clung to these in love. He clung to them. It's not just that he, he had sex with them. He clung to them in love. This was not just a lust thing. This, this guy clung to them in love. Now, young people, never start letting your heart get involved with an unsaved person. Because once love is in there, it's hard. You know, you guard your heart, the Bible says. Young ladies, I don't care how guapo he is. If he's not a Christian, guard your heart. Don't let your heart begin to fall in love. And guys, I don't care how beautiful she is and how when she bows her head and flips her, air, uh, flips her hair and smiles at you demurely, can't get your heart involved. Because when you get your heart involved, it's too hard to stop. The heart wants what the heart wants. Now, at some point, you just have to learn, stay away from it. Don't even go down that pathway. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives, now notice, not the concubines, the wives turned away his heart. He had not one wife that would turn his heart to God. All of his wives turned his heart away. Now that's a scary thought. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not true, wholly true to God, his, to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. Now notice, as he grew old, one of the things you find as you get older is you get softer. You don't, you don't like to keep fighting all the time. Even me, and I'm a battler, okay? You, you don't like to keep fighting all the time with people. 
Well, he just, he stopped the arguments. He stopped the debate and he just went along. His wives, when he was old, not when he was young, when he was old, he got older, he got weaker, he got sweeter, turned away his heart after other gods and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord as his God, as the heart of his father, David. For Solomon went after Ashereth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemos, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites. Now you got to understand, Chemosh, I'm saying Molech, this Ammonite god, you know how you worshipped him? You put live babies and burn them alive. On the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifice to their gods. So, forgive me. Solomon built one temple for God. Solomon had two great encounters with God. Solomon built 700 demon temples in the hills around Jerusalem. Now you wonder why after this, every king that was a reformer was taking down the high places. Oh my goodness, Solomon had built 700 demon altars in the hills around Jerusalem, the city of God. Verse 9, and Solomon was, excuse me, and the Lord was angry with Solomon. So God gets angry because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. And I commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. He said, listen, Solomon, I told you this personally. Don't you just love it when people ignore what you've spoken to them personally? <laughs> God doesn't like it either. But he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, since this has been your practice, not, not your, your aberration, your practice, not your once or twice, your practice, since this has been your practice, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and give it to your servant. Yet for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your days, but will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. And notice God said, David's here in heaven with me. For the sake of David. See, the re God's relationship with David did not end. Every time you see, for the sake of David, for the sake of David. David is there in heaven with God. There is, there is still a relationship. God said, for the sake of David. Verse 14, and the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon. Now, he had peace before this. Hadite, the Edomite, he was of the royal house of Edom. For when David was in Edom and Joab, the commander of the army, went to bury the slain, he struck down every male in Edom. For Joab and all of Israel remained there six months until he had cut off every male in Edom. But Hadad fled to Egypt together with other certain Edomites of his father's servants. 
Hadad still being a little child. They set out from Midian and came to Paran, and took men with them from Paran and came to Egypt, to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who gave him a house, and assigned him an allowance of food, and gave him land. And Hadad found favor in the sight of Pharaoh, so that he gave him in marriage the sister of his own wife, the sister of Taphanes, the queen. And the sister of Taphanes bore Genuba, his son, whom Taphanes weaned in Pharaoh's house. And Genuba was in Pharaoh's house all among the sons of Pharaoh. But when Hadad heard in Egypt that David slept with his fathers and that Joab, the commander of his army, was dead, Hadad said to Pharaoh, Let me depart that I may go to my own country. But Pharaoh said to him, what, you have, what have you lacked with me that you are now seeking to go to your own country? And he said, only let me depart. Now notice, talk about a politician. Pharaoh is giving his daughter to be married to Solomon. He's giving his uh, wife's sister to be married to Hadad. Fascinating. God also raised up an adversary to him, Rezan, the son of Elara who had fled from his master Hadazar, king of Zobah. And he gathered men around him and became a leader of a marauding band after the killing by David. And they went to Damascus and lived there and made him king in Damascus. He was an adversary of Israel all the days of Solomon, doing harm as Hadad did. And he loathed Israel and reigned in Syria. Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, an Ephraimite of Zedera, a servant of Solomon, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow, also lifted up his hand against the king. And this was the reason he lifted up his hand against the king. Solomon built the Milo and closed up the breach of the city of David, his father. The man Jeroboam was able, was very able. And when Solomon saw the young man was industrious, he gave him charge over all the forced labor of the house of Joseph. Okay, so he became a very powerful man. At that time, when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah, a Shenanite, found him on the road. Ahijah himself dressed in a new garment, and the two of them were alone in the open country. Then Ahijah laid hold of the new garment that was on him and tore it into twelve pieces, and he said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and will give you ten tribes. But he shall have one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city that I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, because they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashereth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Chemosh, the god of Moab, and Milcom, the god of the Ammonites. And they have not walked in my ways, doing what is right in my sight and keeping my statutes and rules as David his father did. Nevertheless, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand but will make him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of David, my servant, whom I chose, who kept my commandments and statutes. So because of how David lived his life, this son had a future. Excuse me, this grandson had a future. How often have I taught you that the greatest thing you can leave as an inheritance to your children and to your grandchildren is a spiritual heritage that allows God to bless them? But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and give to you ten tribes. Yet to his son I will give one tribe, that David my servant, now remember, David's alive, he's in heaven, David my servant, may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city where I have chosen to put my name, 
and I will take you, and you shall reign over all that your soul desires, and you shall be king. And if you will listen to all that I command you, and will walk in my ways, and do what is right in my eyes by keeping my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, I will be with you, and will build you a sure house, as I built for David, and I will give Israel to you. And I will afflict the offspring of David because of this, but not forever. Now, back up. Tomorrow or the next day, we're going to begin to see where uh, Jeroboam builds the golden calves because he was insecure about hanging on to the ten tribes. But now his insecurity was not grounded in, in reality. All he had to do was serve God, and God would bless him. Now, this is what people t come to me and they say all the time, I have no security. You have security in your obedience to God. When you obey God, God will bless you. God promised. This man wanted to build his own security, but we'll get into more of that the next few days. Solomon sought, therefore, to kill Jeroboam. Now, doesn't that sound family? Saul tried to kill David because it had been prophesied that David would take over the kingdom. Now David's son wants to kill Jeroboam because God said Jeroboam would take over ten tribes. Hmm. But Jeroboam arose and fled into Egypt, to Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. Now, now wait a minute. We just read that Solomon's doing all this business with Egypt, and he's married to Pharaoh's daughter, and this, this guy in Egypt was quite the politician. Now the rest of the Acts of Solomon, and all that he did, and his wisdom, are they not written in the books of the Acts of Solomon? And the time that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was forty years. And Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David his father. And Rehoboam his son reigned in his place. We'll pick up tonight, seven o'clock.